You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. How has the role of the certified diabetes educator changed in the management of diabetes? Joining us to discuss the increasing skills and responsibilities of the diabetes educator is registered nurse and certified diabetes educator in San Diego, California, Angela Norton. Ms. Norton, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Edelman. How has the role of the CDE changed with the growth of diabetes? There is an ever-increasing need for the increasing population of diabetics in society. However, what I do know is that many places are actually not using CDEs and are even, you know, making them unemployed. There's no longer a job available to them because of their reimbursement issues and who's going to pay an insurance company's not paying adequately for diabetes education. If you had to explain to someone who had no clue about diabetes or the diabetes professionals, what would you say to them what a diabetes educator does in their their basic role? A CDE, a diabetes educator, needs to be a patient advocate. Um, we are outside of just educating patients. We're uh, working, we're actively involved in bringing the needs of diabetics to the community and to legislation. So we're fighting for their needs, but we also do everything from um, making sure patients are ready to learn, understanding where the patient is coming from, teaching, you know, diet and exercise and healthy, you know, healthy lifestyle choices, uh, and fitting that into the patient's daily lifestyle, uh, making it achievable to them. Well, how does the CDE's role fit in with general care, at least in terms of working with primary care physicians? Well, primary care physicians uh, maybe see a patient uh, once in three months. Um, many times a new, di- a new medication regimen has been started at the last visit, and the primary care physician has no way um, to know until the three-month follow-up visit whether that is working or not uh, many times. So the diabetes educator is a person that is between that, following the patient and helping them to, you know, include this in their daily regimen and making sure that they're safe also. Uh, Many times insulin titrations and increases in insulin can be, uh, insulin's a very high-risk medication and uh, it, it can't just be done and expect everything to be fine in three months. Well, Dr. Bergenstahl of the American Diabetes Association shared with us on a previous show the, in, in the most important needs as a, having a multidisciplinary team approach. You mentioned earlier about resources and how are CDEs coping with being part of the team and doing more with less resources? Well, diabetes treatments and diabetic patients are complex and time-consuming, and uh, we are using less educators to, you know, staff for more patients with this um, disease. So we're having to do, you know, stretch out everything as we possibly can. Many times diabetes educators are doing voluntary 
programs, um, most educators are very passionate about the care that their patients get and will work not only in their job but outside of their job doing anything they can to help promote, you know, healthy lifestyle and, and diabetes choices. Well, I'd imagine you'd have to risk stratify as well as everyone else, try to find the most important things that you need to spend the, the shortest amount of time on. Now, we have a number of new oral medications, insulins, and especially the new GLP-1 agonists such as Bita and Victoza. Um, what do you see as the increasing role of the CDE as it relates to medication and management counseling? And let's take a, an injectable agent like Victoza or Bita as an example, a physician starting something, and how would how would you guys help extend the education and the treatment process? Well, with the injectable medications, of course, you know, there's the initial um, sometimes resistance of the patient to taking an injection of any kind. And there needs to be a follow-through because... Um, in order to understand what what response they're getting from that medication, perhaps they're not taking it at an appropriate time or perhaps they're forgetting um, to figure out ways in which they can incorporate it into their daily routine. But the diabetes educator has to con- continuously be educated on the latest medication. Yeah, you know, Angela, I think uh, ex- you know having frequent follow-up visits with an educator in between widely spaced out caregiver visits is so important, especially when you're using something that's injectable or may need uh, discussing uh, and adjusting. Well, how does the CD work with psychologists and social workers? I know you you have diabetes yourself and you, you play all those roles. I've seen you do that with your patients. Uh, but how do patients receive both support and behavioral change education as well from a CDE? Well, as you so rightly put, the CDE is kind of uh, a little of everything. Uh, however, it is wonderful when we can work with psychologists. The whole team approach is so much better when you have different people looking at different, looking at a patient from different angles and um, working together to help find the best way to reach that person. Uh, the psychologist can really help in those areas you know, with coping difficulties and problem solving. Uh, unfortunately, we don't work with psychologists that often. Um, obviously, our multidisciplinary team that we are using with our extreme diabetes makeover is, as I have seen, for the most part, the exception to the rule, and, and it proves to be wonderfully uh, successful. Um, but there aren't too many of those programs around. In the hospital setting, which I work, I do have that ability to not, well, perhaps not the psychologist, but I can at least get a social worker involved. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with Angela Norton. We are discussing the role of the certified diabetes educator in the management of diabetes. Well, once again, Angela, to go back to kind of the basics, you know, so many of the listeners on our show, um, they don't really know exactly what a CDE does, and we've talked about that the first half. Walk us through a day in brief of a typical CDE's life. They wake up in the morning, they have their peanut butter and toast, then they go to work. And what kind of stuff does an average CDE do? I know you're an inpatient, but talk about the typical out patient CDE? Well, the typical outpatient uh, CDE um, (laughs) will come into their office in the morning, look at their schedule, and uh, will wait for patients to arrive. This probably is the biggest challenge because many times, even though appointments are set up, patients don't come for their appointments. 
And um, so this is part of the reason why I think that uh, many of our outpatient CDE positions are being lost because they're, um, you know, they're not busy enough in their setting. Um, so, yes, they wait for their patient, they bring their patient in, and then from that point on they begin to try to find a way to reach that patient, but at the same time doing, you know, teaching seven self-care behaviors, you know, healthy eating, being active, monitoring blood sugars, taking medications, which may include oral anti-diabetics or even insulin pumps in many cases, problem solving, healthy coping, and reducing stress, and all of those things tailored to each individual patient that comes through their door and maybe their family members that will come with them, hopefully. How do the CDEs promote uh, behavior change? I know that you know it's more than just getting up a chart and educating patients on the best times to inject or wherever. As mentioned before, the seven self-care behaviors are what the American Association of Diabetes Educators has in place as their kind of target goal areas. But um, there are many, you know, they really have to understand, as with any educational modality, learning is different for every patient. And to monitor success, uh, to know whether the patient has actually uh, gained the knowledge is to, very often the diabetes educator will give them just one goal or, or two of their choice to work on over a set period of time and then we'll follow up with them to see if they've been successful rather than overwhelming them with all these different areas at once. How much time does a typical CDE have uh, when they see a patient in, in an outpatient setting? You know, I'm not completely clear on that, but I believe it's about an hour as a sitting. I think that, that says it right there, Angela, because all of the seven things that you mentioned are so important in diabetes management, and to have to sit down with someone who's knowledgeable for an hour as an extension of the physician's visit, it, it works extremely well. Now, do you guys ever help educate the primary care physicians out there? I mean, I know, I know they're crazy busy with uh, eight minutes per patient, but I'm sure that they would be open to learning about the kind of things that you're educating their patients about. Well, I'm in a unique position working in a hospital setting and having worked in this same hospital for long enough to have gained a certain respect amongst the physicians. And so uh, they do learn, and many times will even call me and ask me questions, uh, not just on a patient that's hospitalized, but in a patient that's in their office. Um, so yes, they do learn, but they don't like to learn from CDEs, from RNs, from, uh, you know, typically they are, I don't know whether it's kind of phobic of anybody that may not have had the education level, the years of education that they've had to get their MD license, which is understandable. If you're out in private practice and you're a primary care physician so crazy busy, how do you utilize CDs? Where do you find them? Well, many physicians that are working um, with a large hospital base nearby, the hospital itself has certified diabetes educators and the clinic can going through the, he has to go through the insurance company and uh, then the patient will be referred through a central organizing, uh, you know, area. For instance, Sharp, Chula, uh, Sharp Hospital, generally, we have um, many hospitals in San Diego County, but there's one organizing body that will put forward all the information of that patient to get them into continued 
uh, diabetes education. However, there is a delay. So the physician may have a patient that he wants to get aggressive with insulin therapy and would like for a certified diabetes educator to follow this patient um, to, you know, to help him to monitor uh, the safety and efficacy of what he's doing. But it may be three months before the patient can actually get in on an appointment as uh, there are so few certified diabetes educators around because they can't find any full-time employment. I'd like to thank our guest, registered nurse and certified diabetes educator in San Diego, California, Angela Norton. Angela, thanks so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.